Welcome to another interview in our Neon Jazz series of talks with the greatest jazz musicians of today and yesterday. Our latest interview comes via St. Louis native and San Francisco transplant, Joel Behrman. This talented trumpeter just released a new album called Steppin' Back, and it's a good one. And he has plenty to say. Let's listen. Hey, Joel. How are you doing today? Hey, good, man. How are you? Thank you for taking your time out to talk with me. We are a Kansas City-based radio show, and we love interviewing guests and getting a real good insight into jazz. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Um, first question, I know that you are from St. Louis, so what kind of history do you have in Kansas City? Uh, yeah, I tell you, uh, it was tough for me to get out of Kansas City. Um, I, I stayed in St. Louis uh, up until I turned about 18, uh, and then I left for college. And so in that, in that time when I was playing in St. Louis, it was, it was mostly just there. And, of course, like in Illinois, uh, I grew up in Illinois, and I was in the school system in Illinois, so all, all my concerts that were in, like, state, you know, and, like, involved, like, all state, and, and those kind of competitions were all, you know, in Illinois or Chicago or Peoria, stuff like that, so I really didn't get to, to play in Kansas City until I got to, like, do some touring with, I, I played for a while with Casey and the Sunshine Band. Uh, and I was actually just there recently. Uh, I've been working with Sheila E, and we played uh, an outdoor concert uh, uh, in Kansas City. So that was that was the last time I was there. It was maybe uh, maybe about four or five months ago. Okay, cool. But, uh, yeah, very good. So you growing up in St. Louis, how did that groom you to love jazz? Well, uh, I tell you, St. Louis is a great city. It's, it was very blues based, and. It, when I was younger, um, the, it was more popular to play uh, more traditional uh, Dixieland kind of stuff. So uh, I got in, uh, I actually started in my grade school. Uh, the uh, band director had, had, had a Dixie band, and so we got to play tunes like St. James Infirmary and Bourbon Street Blues, and, and that was kind of my first introduction was right, right at the very beginning, which was very cool. And... Um, from there, um, I started going to some jazz camps, like Eastern Illinois University was a big one, and then Illinois State, and a few others, uh, but uh, there was a band director, uh, a trombone player named Al Horney, uh, who was a, a trombone professor at Eastern Illinois University, and uh, he, he really kind of hit me to a lot of different stuff. There was also uh, a trombone player at uh, Scott Air Force Base named Scott Crump, and, uh, and he, he was definitely uh, pushed me towards a lot of jazz trombone players. And I started on trombone. Uh, I didn't really start playing trumpet until, um, at least seriously, until I got to college. But um, but uh, I kind of got off track. I, I can't remember the original question, but I, I, I guess it was uh, pertaining to St. Louis. Um, there was also um, a high school, East St. Louis Lincoln, and uh, Ron Carter was the, the director there, not, not the bass player, but uh, he was just a, a great Illinois teacher. And so there were a lot of talented kids who were in that program. I think it was like an after-hours program. They, they worked those kids like four or five hours in the evening after school. And so there were some super talented kids. And so I used to try to hook up with those guys to do some playing when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, we had, we had our own little group for a while. And... Did some did some small group playing. I really started getting in, into the small group kind of thing, and uh, and then I, I left for college. But uh, but St. 
close, you know, it has a rich, you know, jazz tradition, I guess. And, and I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't really get to experience too much of it um, other than just within the school system. Um, and then when I left, it was, you know, I, I, I never really came back to settle, so... Well, you must be reading my script. You actually segued pretty well into, I was going to ask you when you started playing the trombone and trumpet. So I'm going to go into another part of the beginnings of, of your life here and talk to me about how your family and how they interested got you interested in musical pursuits. Well, my mother uh, played piano, and um, we had a piano in the house, and so uh, I started messing around with it, and she actually taught me a few things, um, just beginning wise on piano, so that, that always helps to have, you know, just some kind of basis on piano or, or any instrument for that reason, but, 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 but definitely piano. Um, and she was a music teacher as well. Um, she taught at, like, parochial schools uh, in the Belleville area. Uh, and uh, so so that just kind of helped with the groundwork. And then, and then when I started in fourth grade, uh, at, I was going to the school called Queen of Peace, and uh, the band director's name is Vicki Smollett, and she's a great trumpet player in the St. Louis area. Um, and all the kids in the class were asking for their, their instruments. They wanted to know what we all wanted to play. So everybody was saying, trumpet, trumpet, trumpet. And so when it came to Joel, what do you want to play? And I said, trumpet. And then a week later, I got a trombone. And I didn't know the difference, so I just started playing it. My best friend was playing it, so, so it kind of worked out that way. Well, I ended up switching schools. Uh, after that, and uh, after that, that year, but in the summer, I started taking private lessons. So I'm a, I'm a big uh, supporter of private lessons. I tell every you know young student out there, you know, you need to get with a teacher and just study privately. But um, but yeah, um, I, I played trombone uh, from the beginning, and then maybe two years later, I started picking up trumpet. And since she was a trumpet teacher, she could teach me on trumpet and trombone, and so I took lessons with her for about a good four or five years on both instruments, and then I started studying trombone with uh, this gentleman called Brett Stamps. He's the, uh, he's the uh, uh, director, the jazz director at uh, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville, and so he started hitting me to Wayne Shorter and, and uh, you know, all the really more kind of groundbreaking jazz artist at the time, I guess. So, um, so that's that's kind of where that took off from there. Very cool. So, talk to me about moving to Miami at eighteen and how that scene influenced you. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's you know you go from high school and that well-rounded curriculum to a college um, and a university where you're a little bit more focused. Although. Since it is a university, you still have to take those general studies, which I wasn't a big fan of. I would have rather just jumped into playing music. I was pretty much committed to being a musician early on. But, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the scene there, there was such talent there. It's, you know, it's a pretty infamous school, for, you know, if you, if you want to call it that. Hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of great people came out of there, so it had a strong program. And so there were a bunch of kids there at the time that were really talented. There were two other trombone players my age that um, we just kind of grew up together in that in that uh, study environment and and uh, it was it was a big school but it was small enough that you got a lot of individual attention absolutely and uh, you know and, and they were more they were more of a mod, like 
they were they were big band oriented, but they were also combo oriented. So uh, we got to play in ensembles that were kind of based in Horace Silver or uh, um, uh, Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. We even had an ECM ensemble. Um, I played in an Ornette Coleman ensemble. Um, so we, we kind of would take a whole semester and study one particular artist. Uh, they also had a real well-rounded curriculum, curriculum when it came to, uh, to you know, theory and learning jazz piano and um, a little bit of uh, composition and big band writing and, and such. It was it was a it was a pretty well-rounded curriculum. So um, so I think it, it it pushed me to more of a like a modern tip. Definitely, it, it was definitely harmony based, which I, I, I'm not not my strong suit at all so I, i'm still kind of studying the stuff that i learned at that time um they give you a wealth of, of information and it's up to you to process it in your own time sure and so i'm still watching that stuff like crazy so absolutely so speaking of momentous changes in life what was it like to tour with casey and, and the sunshine band uh it was it was nerve-wracking, but it was exciting, and it was definitely a learning experience. Um, I say it was nerve-wracking because you know, I had gone to, to college to play jazz, and um, I had even left um, at the end of my, my sophomore year. I drove up to New York and Boston, and I visited a couple friends, but I stayed in New York, and I auditioned at New School and uh, at Manhattan School, and... Uh, I got I got offered a pretty decent scholarship, but it wasn't enough for me to be able to afford to live there. So I ended up staying in Miami, and then uh, in the fall when I came back is when I when I ended up getting offered that gig. So um, so I you know I I took it because it was a great gig and it was good money. It was something I needed at the time, and uh, but you know it wasn't a bebop gig, um, and so it was a little nerve wracking, uh, but you still learn a lot from playing, you know, a, a show in a different genre. Uh, you, and, and I really just, it was a, one of those things where I really cut my teeth and it kind of set me up for future gigs. Um, I was playing trombone at the time, uh, mostly, but I could still, I was still in school and so I could still practice on the road and do my thing. Um, but I still had to learn how to play in that type of environment, you know, and it taught you how to play out, to play strong and, and be present on stage. And then, you know, the whole showmanship thing and, you know, learning how to do the dance moves and be an entertainer. And and, uh, and then the other invaluable thing was just the road shops, you know, learning how to be on time, not to, you know, not to piss anybody off and gel with folks and, and just be a member of a group was was invaluable experience. Very cool. So you finally moved to Frisco. You've been there for 11 years. Why did you move to Frisco and how has that scene influenced you're playing. Um, okay, so there's several reasons why I moved here. Uh, two of the main reasons were my my the, the girl that I I was seeing at the time uh, lived in San Jose, and um, I I was ready to leave Miami, and I knew I was going to move out to the West Coast, and I wasn't sure if I was going to live in LA or uh, or the Bay Area, and so I had a month to just kind of stay out here for a while. I stayed with her. And um, there were already some some uh, kids that I had gone to school with that were already out here and they were kind of established in the scene. So 
I touched base with them and talked to them about it. And more and more, LA wasn't looking like the right place to go. So, um, and I saw um, a couple shows when I was out here. One of them was Pete Escobedo. He opened up a new club in Alameda. And uh, so I went to, to see the show and sit in with a couple of bands that were playing there. And uh, and I, I just kind of liked the intensity and it kind of had an East Coast vibe to it, you know, um, as far as just being kind of artsy and, um, you know, just kind of grass, grassroots kind of scene. So that was very tempting. And then, of course, you know, having a girlfriend out here made it pretty easy, too. Yeah. She ended up being, I'm, I married her uh, about four years ago. It took a while, but we, uh, yeah. we finally tied the knot. Cool. But, um, but so, so it was like those those were the two main reasons. And then, of course, you know, it's a beautiful place to live. It's You get the best of everything out here. So, but yeah. the scene was definitely you know, one of the most important things. And it's, it's a great music scene. Lots of lots of great artists out here that are doing their thing. And it's great to be involved with all these different projects. You know, if you know anything about Kansas City sports, and I used to really be into sports, I've kind of waned over the years. I, I always think, man, not only is Frisco one of the coolest towns on the planet, but you guys got the best teams going, too. It's like you guys got a little bit of everything going on out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, that was, we, we just had, you know, an exciting NFL season. And, uh, and uh, of course, the Giants. Now, I'm a Cardinals fan, so, sure. you know, that was a, a tough playoffs in my household. Oh, yeah. I was pretty much outnumbered. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was good. And, and you know, Cards won the year before. And I'm a, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm a Cardinals fan first, so. Right on. Um, so, yeah, but there's, the, you know, it's it's fun all the way around to live out here. Absolutely. So, your latest album, i got to say, is awesome. I love it. I've spun it quite a Thank bit. You. And I w- talk to me about the process. What what was going through your mind when you were making this album? Okay, well, um, you know, I had been... I, I, I should kind of expand on, on uh, you know, stuff that I encountered out here as I, as I kind of grew into the scene. Um, I guess about five, six years back, I started playing pretty regularly with this band called, uh, this singer, her name is LaVey Smith, and uh, she had a band called uh, Red Hot Skillet Liquors. She, you know, she's a great singer. And then the band was uh, kind of a four horn and, and uh, piano bass drums set up with the singer, and they used to do uh, kind of these South Basie Ray Charles, really kind of swing bass tunes. And so I really started to get into that, that, that mode of thinking where, you know, there's there's something to be said for 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 incorporating the blues and the swing into what you play as a jazz musician. I I really kinda consider it, you know, your your civic duty as an American to you know, to, to have that in in your playing. And so as I as I started to gravitate towards that philosophy, I I wanted to make sure that my album was was kind of based around that idea. And it the the cats that I have on the record are kind of all of the same mindset, you know, for the most part. Um, I mean, we all like to play modern stuff. And so you, you, you put that in there because that's yourself. But I wanted to have those roots in uh, the music as much as I could. And so, um, and even even as far as the instrumentation I chose, you know, it was kind of the three-horn, flaky horse, silver concept. Uh, and then the, the drummer was Howard Wiley, who's a great saxophone player, but he's also an extraordinary drummer. And, and Howard is a, 
he's a really a, a great soldier when it comes to swing and blues. And so he, he ended up being the perfect guy to have on drums. And then Marcus Shelby is a bass player, and he has uh, his own big band and then it's, uh, various forms of small groups as well. But, but Marcus is very uh, based in those things, too. He, he's very based in Ellington and uh, just is a real authentic form of jazz. And so um, so that's that's kind of what I was going for, was to have that in there and have that, that be the focus, as well as, as having a you know a San Francisco-based crew uh, to feature some great musicians on the West Coast. So are you out busy promoting the album right now? Uh, yeah, trying to. Uh, I have a publicist, her name is Terry Hitty, and she's been on the case for me, and then been really tough to try to get gigs in the area um and i'm not one that I, I have a tough time following up with people um and and hounding people for gigs but i'm starting to figure out that you just have to do that I actually have a, another friend of mine who's who's gonna try to wrestle up some gigs for me too and it's been a slow go as far as you know getting out there and performing live uh i perform live with a a ton of other groups, but uh, it's been a long time since I've played under my own name. So at least two or three years, so I, I need to get that thing going. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's been kind of rough. Absolutely. So talk to me about the albums and collaborations that you've done over the years. Well, um, it's, man, it's been a, a, a strong mix of different things. Um, uh, I just um, recorded the, the latest kind of release that I've been on was uh, with Chester Thompson, the organ player from Tower Power and uh, from Santana, he just he just put out a uh, uh, organ jazz organ album um, that featured a bunch of Bay Area musicians, and then I think Dr. Lonnie Smith was on some some of the stuff. Howard Wiley was playing tenor saxophone on it, and uh, so I got called in not to not to really be uh, a soloist on the album per se, but just to play some trumpet and trombone stuff, like uh, playing on the head and things like that, but I'm really happy to be a part of that because it was a great project and it's doing pretty well. So uh, there's that. There was uh, Marcus Shelby put out a album about two years ago, a big band recording called uh, Soul of the Movement, and uh, I was playing trombone on that record. Cool. And uh, that's, a, that's an extraordinary project as well. Um, Marcus is a phenomenal writer uh, all the way around. Uh, and so that was a really great project, a really good learning experience for me. And then um, there's a singer named Lisa Engelken, who's, um, who's pretty contemporary. It's, it's tough to describe what she does, but uh, it's, it's uh, jazz mixed with some some bulky pop and 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 really nice arrangements. She's an awesome arranger, and she's just got this, this really kind of abstract musical mind. And so I was on her last album called Caravan. Um, trying to think, I've done some pop albums, some just appearances on some rock CDs and R&B albums. Just uh, kind of a, a nice mix of different things. Very cool. Um, it does sound like you have a very well-rounded past that gives you a nice backbone for any project you want to hop into. Yeah, it, it, I, when I moved out here, and he even still is this uh, this day, you know, uh, most of the gigs that you do on a local scene, you know, are there, you have to do the R&B stuff, you have to do some of the rock gigs, and 
and that's just the way it is. I mean, it's tough to, to be just solely a jazz musician anymore, unless you, you know, unless you're living in New York and you kind of make that decision. Absolutely. But uh, there was a there was a band that I played in called Five Street, and we played for about three years straight every Thursday and Friday at this club called the Serenader in Oakland. And uh, I was playing trumpet on that on that show every Thursday and Friday for about thirty five bucks a night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, playing for a tough crowd. You know, Oakland folks they they want their music to to be right, and so that's that's where I really cut my teeth as a pop trumpet player. I a pop R and B trumpet player, but it gives you chops in, in other respects. I mean, it, it's it's tough to play a rhythm and blues trumpet. And so if you can grab any blues at all from different genres, it, it, it definitely helps. So I, I paid my dues for a good long time on that gig. But it set me up for other things. I, I ended up working with Lenny Williams uh, quite a bit, and then uh, eventually Pete and Sheila. And, um, you know, those are those are gigs that I got because of having that gig at the Serenader and, and just be, becoming prepared for, for that kind of, work so that leads the serenader leads me into my next question which was what's been your favorite venue to play at around the country Ooh, um, well that's a tough one i mean there's so many good ones it's always nice to play at yoshi's here in oakland uh, uh or uh in the open one in san francisco san francisco just opened up a new uh jazz center uh, SF Jazz, the organization, has a new um, a new concert hall, and it's uh, strictly devoted to jazz, and it's like a 700 capacity hall. It's beautiful. I played a, a show there a couple weeks ago, and it sounds awesome. So cool. that's one of my new favorites for sure. Um, you know, when I was growing up in St. Louis, I got to play in Powell Symphony Hall with the youth orchestra. Um, that's an awesome venue. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I can say I have a... Uh, a favorite venue per se, but I do have ones that I really enjoy playing at. Um, yeah, yeah, that's as far as I can go with that one. That's cool. Um, so I noticed on your MySpace page you have quite a f- few jazz cats that that have influenced your playing, like Wayne Shorter, Miles Davis, Woody Shaw, and then you have a crop of Seattle acts from the grunge scene: Nirvana, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots. How do you mesh those together? How have they influenced you? Well, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing, and I think it, it influenced me during this, a certain period of my life. When I had first moved up to San Francisco, um, I I wasn't really into the straight-ahead thing so much. I think I wanted to, to do more of a, like a, a rock fusion thing. And the three or four years prior to me moving out here was when I really started to explore groups like Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots and Gene's Addiction, and I hadn't really listened to that stuff when they were out. When I was in high school, I was listening to jazz and classical, and so I kind of skipped that era. And then all of a sudden, I, I decided, okay, well, it's time to listen to this stuff, and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. And for a while, I stopped listening to jazz, and I was just listening to that. Um, and then um, I was always listening to, like, Miles Davis, like, the late 60s, and him getting into the fusion stuff, and then there's this release... Uh, live at the Fillmore East, and he was doing just this most amazing, just, just hardcore rocking stuff. I I just listened to it. I was like immediately. I was like, I want to do that. 
And so I, I started this group when I first moved out here, and I called it, um, well, first it was called, uh, well, we, I can't remember all the different names of it, but it ended up as this group called Bear Cult, which is a name that I'm not too fond of anymore. But, but anyway, this group had two drummers and an upright bass player and an electric bass player, guitar, keyboard, and then me and a saxophone player named Joe Cohen. Who we were, we were old college buddies, so we had played together for a long time anyway. But this group was all about that kind of thing, just kind of, kind of a lot of extended vamps and um, and just mood, mood music, but definitely with some kind of pulse and, and and super intense. And it was really loud. And I used effects on my trumpet, and the saxophone player used effects, and we were using loops and. It was kind of a big thing in San Francisco at the time anyway. It was this like mixed genre of jazz. And uh, so we had a good time while I was running. I did expand my, my writing chops on that gig. Um, and uh, then it got to be just too hard to book that big of a group and that lot of a group, you know, and, and have the guys come in and say, well, you, you know, we're playing for 300 bucks so I can pay you guys you know, 25 each or something like that. I, got, I didn't want to do that anymore. So um, I just started the downside of the group and then I started to move to more of a straight ahead kind of thing. And, uh, and so that's where I'm at now. Cool. So, Joel, who are your jazz heroes? Oh, um, everybody. Um, and definitely Louis. Um, definitely uh, Duke Ellington. I think Duke is you know, one of the greatest American composers ever. Uh, and um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Wayne Shorter freak. I love everything that Wayne's ever done. I love every note that he's ever played. Um, of course, I like Miles and Freddie and Woody and all the great trumpet players. Booker Little, I'm a, I'm a, a fanatic on Booker Little. And, uh, I, you know, concerning trumpet players, there's a bunch of young guys that are out there now. <laughs> like 10 years younger than me but I really enjoy what they're doing and, and how they're moving the instrument forward so uh, like Ambrose is one of those cats um, there's a cat named Jason Palmer um, out of Boston he's a really great player um, yeah there's, there's some great cats you got, a, you got a really good guy in Kansas City um, Her, with Herman Mahari yeah he's a great guy yeah, he's he's awesome. I've been checking him out. Um, stuff to find stuff that he's on, but but um, but I like listening to young cats too because they're they they really are, you know, they're expanding the voice of the trumpet, which which um, you know now I'm in the you know just always trying to keep up with those guys too, you know. But um, but yeah, I, I, I you know I have my nest of cats that I go to. Uh, I love Horace Silver's writing. I love the swing of our Blakey you know, brings out his musicians. Um, yeah, and they like, like, cats like Kid Ori on trombone. I like a lot of different trombone players, Curtis Fuller, um, J.J. Johnson. Um, I like, uh, uh, Tricky Sam Matt, because of the stuff that he did with the plunger with. I think he's one of the most amazing plunger guys, and that leads to cats like Wynn and Wycliffe Gordon. Um, big fans of those guys too so I, I listen to it as much as I can and uh, and I don't absorb it all but I you know I enjoy listening to it right on so what accomplishments in life are you most proud of well um 
But I tell you, it, it takes a lot to move to a new city and get to a point where you can where you can live off of your playing. So um, I guess I'm, 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 I don't know that I'm proud of it, but I know that I'm happy that I actually did that. Um, is it can be really difficult and it can break a lot of folks and you just have to be patient and, and just kind of keep pushing towards that. I, I am really proud that I, I put out the CD. Um, that's something I, I never considered I would be able to do on my own. Um, but, and it took a lot of money to do it and I just kind of saved up, saved up and put money out on it. And, and, uh, and so, I'm, yeah, I'm happy that uh, and now that it's out, I want to do it again. So I, I'm just going to try to keep that process rolling. Um, so that and, and, you know, I'm proud of the, the gigs that I've done, the traveling gigs, too. I'm proud that I played with, uh, with KC. That was a good long run. That was five years. And then working with Lenny Williams. Lenny's an awesome singer, an awesome performer. And uh, P.S. Gavito and Sheila E. Sheila's amazing. Pete's amazing. I mean, these are all that a lot of folks would just kill to have and and I'm really happy that I've, I've had the opportunity to, to work with these folks. Speaking of folks, if you could go back in time and meet one jazz musician from any era, who would they be and why? Well, um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was not prepared for that one. <laughs> um, we can come back to that one if you want. No, that's all right. I'll answer it now. Um, I, I, the first person that came to mind was Miles. I was I was trying to figure out if there was anybody else that, that I would have picked, you know, and I thought about Pops and, um, and Duke Ellington, but I think Miles, uh, for me, is the most mystical of all jazz musicians. Um, and... You know, I think I'd ask him, what is going on in your head? You know, um, and he'd probably tell me to, you know, <laughs> well, I can't say what he'd probably tell me to do, but, but you know, <laughs> I, I, he just, he was one of those guys that, that changed the course of music, changed the course of jazz, but and music, you know, three or four times in his career. Um, so, wow, I'd ask him, um, I'd just ask him, what What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you're, pre- you're preaching to the choir. My son's name is Miles, so I'm I'm on the Miles wagon myself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, let me ask you, do you live with any regrets? Um, yeah, I, I... Every time I start thinking that I live with regrets, I have regrets something, or I... I I come back to, well, you know, those things that you think you regret are things that have given you perspective up until this point. So, um, yeah, I could have made it work in New York and, you know, and gone there, but then I wouldn't have gotten a gig with KC and I wouldn't have met my wife, but, you know, I wouldn't have moved out to the West Coast. I, I really love the life that I live right now, even though I might not be where I want to be musically or you know, experience-wise, but I'm still happy with what I got, and, I, you know, I have a voice just like anybody else, and, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life making that work, so uh, every every time I think I have a regret, I, I, I always try to remind myself that that's not really the case. 
So, do you remember the first autograph you ever gave out? Uh, uh, it must have been with, with when I was on the road with KC. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you go to those shows and, and uh, you know, even if you're you know, working behind the scenes, which is kind of what it felt like playing in the horn section, but um, but people are such fans of that music and, and they take it all in. So uh, at some point, I probably signed an autograph, and I think the first time that I was asked, I was just like, uh, "Sure, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to do it." And you, and, you know, they they love that. They people who are, are big fans, you know, they just want a little piece of of anything. So um, you know, even though I I may not have felt deserving, um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that to them. Absolutely. So. Whether it was in your car or it was on your iPod or in your house, what's the last song that you chose to listen to that you listened to? Oh, today I I listened to Benny Dolphin, Stablemates. Very cool. Uh, off of the, the Philadelphians album. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, Lee Morgan. I think it's Lee. I could be wrong about that. Now I'm just a little scared that I'm saying the wrong thing. But, uh, but yeah, I... I, I Love Benny Golson, and uh, I've decided that I'm going to try to transcribe his solo, which is a tremendous undertaking. So, um, but so I'm, I'm I'm digging on that. Right on. So, what does the future hold for you, Joel? Uh, well, I hope that um, I hope that I can just keep playing jazz. I hope that I can actually move my career more towards playing jazz strictly. Even though I, I, I don't want to make that exclusive, I want to keep playing with, with other types of musicians and other genres. But I definitely would like to have my career centered on playing jazz and writing and, and producing my own situation, um, creating new groups and projects and just being more of a fixture on the jazz scene. I want to release a bunch of more albums. I, you know, I'd love to release as many albums as I can within my lifetime. Right um, and, and just become a fixture, you know, first here in San Francisco, and then and then we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I definitely want to be more of a part of the scene here. Cool. So finally, I, I, as I get towards the end here, in your thanks section on your Stepping Back album, you say, one key to our evolution as humans will be honing our ability to interpret ourselves in the most honest way. This album is a celebration of all those who have. Is about moving forward, using the past, the truth as a guide. That is well written. So, are you are you a poet as well? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think I was just inspired in the moment um, of writing that, and, and it, it kind of is a summary of, of what I was feeling about the album, which was which was there's you know there's something to be said for the people who create um, create the music as it happens. Um, and guys like Louis Armstrong, guys like Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, all the, all the great masters, and then the people who are coming up alongside them. Um, we have to look to those folks in order to to make what we do um, real, to make it to make it true. And yeah, I, I think one of the things that I moved out here, I realized, was that you can't skip that. You have to you have to have that in your music in order for it to, to move on. If you if you move on without having that in your playing, 
um, you're not a true representation of, of at least what I consider to be jazz in this country. So, um, so, and then it, 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 it speaks to me too on a, on a, on a personal level, music aside, uh, the more honest you are with yourself, the further you're going to get in life, the better you're going to be to yourself and to other people. And, uh, and so I, I really envy, um, and, and aspire to be like those people, those people that, that can put all their humility or, or, you know, put all their, their ego aside and just come from a place of humility where, where they're just accepting of who they are. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I've cracked open a lot of CDs and read testimonials, and when I read that, I was like, this is one square cat, and, and it really resonates through your album. You're a very genuine guy. You, you, you have a great uh, great talent, and this, this album's awesome. I, I look forward to hearing your stuff as the years go by. Man, thank you so much. I really appreciate those words. Joel, you're a cool cat, man. Good continued success, and I appreciate you taking your time out to talk with me. Absolutely. Have a good night, man. You too. Take care. Take it easy. Thanks to Joel for speaking with us at Neon Jazz and to you for listening. If you want to catch more episodes and interviews, you can search for us on the iTunes store via Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. Or for all things Neon Jazz, catch us at the neonjazz.blogspot.com. See you next time. Mm-hmm.